Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I'm Dolly Barker, and I'm very thankful that you've tuned in today. I really am um, truly grateful. I want so badly to be able to share um, the things that the Lord has taught me and that He's shown me and that He continues to show me and teach me. Um, none of us are ever going to arrive to a place where we don't have to learn and grow. This Learning and growing is a perpetual part of life. And um, so it's wonderful. Um, but I, I get um, a lot of satisfaction out of getting to share some of the things that the Lord has shown me because I know what a difference it made in my life. And I know that God would want me to help other people get that same victory. And so I wanted to share with you today some stuff over in Ephesians 5. I mean, there is so much good stuff just in the book of Ephesians alone. You could just spend days and weeks and days and weeks just studying and reading and, and trying to understand all the powerful things that he said to us. But I'm going to just take this portion here in the middle because I want to explain to you how God saved my family and how he delivered me. Um, it, let's just start in chapter 5, um, verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we're living in an evil time. And, you know, there are ways for you to redeem the time. You can, you can, everything that you have right now can be fixed and handed back to you in a positive way. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That is one of the most amazing things that people believe that the will of God is that you just try to be good. Well, if you're going to just try to be good, you're going to just try to be good according to the way you see good. And everybody's view of what good is is very different. So that does not help anybody because you have all your junk all justified and you think you're right. And But you're only seeing life from your perspective. And just like a nose, everybody has a perspective and everybody doesn't agree with you. So there's no way that that can bring peace and unity in the earth because we're not all going to do it your way. And you're not all going to do it my way. But we can do it the same way if we would all do it according to truth, which is the Word of God. So as we're trying to understand what the will of the Lord is, we have to look to the Word of the Lord and hear what He has to say about things and then try to apply those to our own life. Christianity is not about you going around and making everybody else do it the way you did it. Christianity is about you figuring out what's working in your life and what's not working in your life and you spending time seeking the Lord and trying to hear and trying to understand how to correct your own life. As you do that, like like the the story that said about, you know, you see a splinter in your brother's eye, well that means you have a log in your own eye. If you didn't have a log, you would never see their splinter. And so, but if it says if you will take the log out of your own eye, then you can see clearly how to help your brother remove the splinter out of his. And so that's what happens when you get revelation knowledge and you understand a truth from the Word of God and you truly get free. And the log is out of your own eye. Such a beautiful thing. Well, then, honestly, you then know how to help somebody else see something that might set them free. And it might not. They might not want to hear it. That's fine. Then you just go on about your business. But that's how it works. 
it doesn't work because we're going to do everything the way you think it needs to happen. Because your opinion is just one person's opinion. I mean, that's just something good for all of us to know. Um, in verse 18, this really set me free. This is not going to be my focus of today, but I'm going to just swing by here. Be not drunk with wine, we're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart unto the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was such an alcoholic. And so, yes, when I was trying to figure out how can I not drink, he told me to do this very thing. Sing unto the Lord. Make a melody unto God. Be thankful to him. And when I did that, I didn't know at the time that God inhabits my praises. When God inhabits my praises, the fear, the demonic force, whatever is around that's causing me to feel like I have to have another drink, it's not of God. And so when God manifests his presence in my life because I'm worshiping him and thanking him, he shows up, well, the enemy leaves. All of a sudden, I don't want to drink anymore. It's such a beautiful thing. Well, that one principle has helped me to defeat the enemy in so many areas of my life. So um, I highly recommend that. If there's something in your life that you would rather not do anymore, you know, I know a lot of people are addicted to things. Well, there's a reason why you do the things you do. And it's usually um, fear, insecurities, you know, being overcome by um, past mistakes, condemnation, guilt, shame. All these things are spiritual forces that are condemning you constantly. If you start worshiping God and thanking God, He will show up. And when He shows up, all your enemies will leave immediately. And you will be free from even hearing the thoughts that you were hearing before. And the next thing you know, you don't need it. And all of a sudden, you start seeing it for what it really is. I'm just sharing that with you. This was a side note, but... I want to encourage you to to do that. Get God involved in your life. And worshiping Him and being thankful is one way you get Him involved. Um, Verse 21, though, this is the part I wanted to talk to you about today because this changed my life. This here, that other part did too, but this here healed my marriage, saved my family, and has been such a continual growth point to where I never dreamed my marriage could be as good as it is. And this is where it started. It says, um, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even so the Lord the church. So what it's saying here is, First of all, it very clearly told me I am not um, a second-class citizen to men. It says for me to submit. I'm going to just share this with all the men out there. It tells me to submit to my own husband as unto the Lord. I do not have to submit to all men. 
and all men who think that they're superior to women right there, you are missing the greatest opportunity for your own advancement because you are become an oppressor of an entire gender because you think that they're not equally important as you are to the body of Christ. But in a home, there can only be one person make the final call. I don't have to submit to my husband 98% of the time because 98% of the time we're in total harmony and agreement with what we think and what we're doing. The only time that submission comes into, a, into play is when me and him do not see something the same way. And I'm telling him, this is how I see it. And he's telling me, well, this is how I see it. And that's when submission comes into play. A lot of people take this submission as to mean a servant or a slave to the other spouse. But that is not true. First of all, it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. But then when it tells you wives submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, God had to reveal as unto the Lord to me because when he first told me to submit to Kelly, that was literally like telling me that I am second-class citizen to him. And I was very offended at God. And I said to God, because I, I, was, I, I just am who I am, and back then I was just a little raw and had a horrible mouth, and I said, I said, why is he in charge? Because he has a, a male body part. And I was very offended when God told me to submit to Kelly. Because I saw submission as I was um, not going to be able to protect myself from somebody that was going to have rule over me. Which I don't mind if people have rule over me if I feel like they care about me. And they are going to make decisions and do what's best for me. That's easy to submit to somebody when you feel that way. But when you feel like this person is not going to look out for your best interest, it is very difficult for you to submit to them. And we were young, and we, were, we, were, we had children. We had gotten pregnant as teenagers and got married, and we were struggling, and we were both working as hard as we could to try to make it work. And we were still trying to party and stuff so that we could have fun because we, we thought our entire world was over because now, you know, we don't get to have the fun and go and do because we've got kids and bills and responsibilities. And um, it was just a very difficult season for us. But I, I really had a strong struggle with submitting to him. And finally, the Lord said, as unto the Lord. He kind of showed me that if I would submit to Kelly, like just because Jesus asked me to. So really when I submitted to Kelly, I was really submitting to Jesus. Jesus was telling me, I'm going to let Kelly run the show and you do what he says, but I'm in charge of Kelly. So do it like you're doing it for me. And that I could do. So I just decided I'll do it. And so Kelly goes to work. I'm home. I got the kids. I get home from work. I'm doing dishes. I'm washing kids. I'm doing laundry. I'm cleaning. I'm cooking. I'm washing the dishes. And I, <clears throat> I did all this stuff. And I finally finished all the chores. He's been sitting in his chair in front of the TV for hours. Because at that time... I did not realize the difference between 
his role and my role. I did not understand the difference between the two genders, the difference between what we're designed to do and what role we play in the earth. I did not understand any of that. All I saw was, I work a job too. I do everything you do, plus I do everything else at the house, and you don't do nothing. Why should he be in charge? It was very, and I had grown up in an era where, you know, the feminist movement, you know, um, don't, you're not second class to nobody. You don't have to put up with nothing. I don't even need a man. If I could just have a, a donor bank over here, I don't even need one to have my own family. I mean, I was really strongly um, hurt and defensive and trying to be protective of women and our rights and all these things. And because I thought that's the way you got ahead. And so I was, I was really trying to exercise that muscle. And here he is. He's doing nothing. And the Lord's telling me to let him make the final call. And it was very offensive. And so one night after I did everything that I had done, I went in there and I finally, I'm going to get to sit down. This is nine o'clock at night or something. I've been going all day. I finally go in there and I sit down in the chair to watch a little TV before I fall asleep. And he says, I think I need a sandwich. And I looked at him and I thought, oh my gosh, are you serious right now? Okay, well, let me go make you one because I thought I got to do everything he says. So I got up and I went to the kitchen and I made him a sandwich and I brought it to him and handed it to him and I sat down on the couch and I was so mad. I wanted to cry. I just wanted to fall apart because I'm thinking this is so wrong. How could he possibly sit there and ask for something else after what I've just been doing? And, um, you know, finally I just got up and I went to bed. And and the next night, I'm not even kidding, I did the whole day over again. I worked and worked and worked. I got everything done. I finally go in there and sit down. And he's like, you want a snack? I think I'd like a sandwich. Doesn't a sandwich sound good right now? Now, it's already been three or four hours since supper time because I've been working steady the whole time. And I'm just like, well, let me go get it. And I did it again. And I was just like, Jesus, you see what he's doing? You know, I mean, I was, I'm doing this because you told me to do this. You better make him stop, you know. And I just was so at the end of myself. That went on for several days. And then finally one night, man, I'm just like, I'm going to do it because God told me to do it. And that's the will of God for my life. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be happy about it. And I'm not going to care what he does. And I just was going to do it again. So I'm, I'm up and I'm clean and I'm doing my stuff. I sit down. He says, I think I want a sandwich. I'm not even kidding. I thought I'm going to throw something at him. And I just stood up and I thought, okay. And he goes, no, 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 no. Sit down, man. You've been working all day. I'll go make it. Would you like one? And I'm like, seriously? I would love a sandwich, and I would love for somebody else to make it for me. And it was just the most amazing thing that he recognized what I was doing and then did something to help me. And I know that the reason that happened was because the Lord pointed it out. And the Lord was showing him what I do and how he should not take advantage of that. You know what I'm saying? And God started, and I, now he has a side to this whole thing too. You know what I'm saying? Because 
another thing that we had a really big problem with is I talked bad about him everywhere we went. I stripped him of his dignity constantly, just joking and making fun with my girlfriends and all, you know, me and my friends and stuff. And one night God said to me, um, don't ever say anything negative about him in public, you know, to my friends or whatever. And I thought, I don't talk negative about him. And so that weekend we went to a party over at our friend's house and the guys would always hang out in the kitchen and the girls were always sitting in the dining room or whatever. And we were just laughing and joking and cutting up and making our little funny jokes and stuff. And I was sitting there and boy, they, all the girls were talking about their husbands and how stupid they were and how messed up they were and how lazy they were. And they were just making jokes and all this stuff. And we were just laughing and having a good time. And, and I would, I would get ready to say something. And I would remember, don't say anything negative about him in public. And so I didn't say it. And boy, as that night progressed, I just kept struggling with it. As the night went on, I realized, wow, I say a lot of stuff about him that's not very nice. And I thought, what can I say? How can I get in the conversation here? I didn't even know how to have a conversation that was positive or uplifting about him. I didn't even know how to do it. So I'm sitting there listening to all my girlfriends just trash their husbands and we're all laughing or whatever. And I'm trying to come up with something positive to say. And one of them said something about how her husband couldn't fix anything. You know, I mean, he just was no use. And I thought, oh, mine can. So I said, I said, man, Kelly can fix anything. He is so gifted. He is such a good carpenter. And he, you know, and I said um, a comment about him that was positive. And I sat back in my chair, and I kind of glanced over my shoulder into the kitchen just for a split second. And when I did, I saw him standing there, and I, I saw the look on his face. He heard the positive thing I had just said about him. And I turned back around real quick so he wouldn't know I was looking, and I thought, wow, he heard the positive thing I said about him. That means... Evidently, he always hears all the negative things I've said about him. And I was ashamed of myself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I felt horrible about that because we were just joking and carrying on. But I didn't realize at the time that men don't need love. Men need honor and respect. Women don't need honor and respect. We need love. We need somebody to care for us. And so... That night changed our marriage. And, and, and the sandwich night, when he went into the kitchen and made me a sandwich and brought it back in there, I thought, wow, he's, he's really a nice guy. He's not at all what I thought he was. But, you know, if the whole time I'm running around trashing him and I'm not giving him any honor or respect, what's he, what, what is he going to do? He has to defend himself. He has to protect himself from me. And my, you know, craziness, a lot of women, I see it, I see it. And I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry for these guys. But I mean, I see the other side too now. But all of a sudden, God started showing me that he could heal our marriage. But that we were going to have to love each other according to knowledge. We were going to have to trust the word of God. And when we put faith in what God was telling us, and tried to do what he was instructing us to do, we saw great results. All of a sudden, we saw things that greatly benefited our home. 
And, you know, it just kept progressing. And now we're 20-something years later, a long time later. But it's like our marriage is so good. And it's so, it's healthy. Now, there are still times when we're dealing with an issue with one of our kids or we're dealing with an issue with this or that. And I just have to sit back and think, okay, what's dad going to say about this? And I let him make those calls. And sometimes I don't feel like something's right. Okay, there have been times whenever I thought one of our kids needed to be correct about something and then he didn't or, or, he didn't, or he thought they should, and I didn't, or something. You know, there would be differences on how what we thought about the situation. <clears throat> and one time, there was a time when he voiced his difference to me in front of our children. And I saw the little smirk on my kid's face. And so I went ahead and grabbed him and popped him on their butt anyway, because I thought, no, you're not going to sit here and do this. And, and then I said to him when the kids got out of the room, I said, you know what? If you don't agree with me, I get it, and I'm fine with that. And I just need you to talk to me, and let's work it out and make a plan. But you can't do that to me in front of my kids because then they're going to think that they can go around me and that my voice doesn't matter. And he later came back and said, you know what? You're right, and I should not have done that in front of the kids the way I did that. And there have been so many times in our marriage where I've had to go and say, you know what? I was wrong about that. You were right. You know, I was all involved in my emotions. I remember when my my oldest son was getting, um, you know, teenage years and he was playing sports and he was doing his schoolwork and he was all these things, but he was really starting to become pretty sass mouth and pretty, um, a little spoilt and a little bit of uh, just had a little attitude, and he was constantly just kind of bowing up and saying rude things and stuff to me. And one day, my husband walked into the kitchen and said, uh, You know what, boy? Saturday morning, you need to get up and get dressed. You're going into work with me. And um, he said, I don't want to go to work. Said, well, you're going. I need some ditches dug, and you're going to go do it. Mom, don't, I don't want to go. It's my only day off. I need to do this and I need to do that. And he starts telling me all this. So I'm telling my husband, baby, you know, he's got school. He's got this. He's got that. He's got this. You know, he shouldn't have to go to work right now. He's still trying to get his education and blah, blah, blah. And my husband said, no, he is turning into a punk. And he needs to go out there and get in the real world and be around men and see how men treat men and figure out how to be a man. Because he needs to grow up. And I begged. I'm like, baby, just, you know, I just say, wait until he gets out of school this summer and then he can go and do it. And, and we were going back and forth there. And my husband finally looked at me and he said, how dare you stand there and act like you think you love my children more than I do? I love my son, but I'm a guy and I know where he's at. And I think he needs to get corrected on this. And at that moment, I realized I was thinking that. I honestly was thinking I loved our kids more than he did. And here he had been sacrificing his life, going to work, bringing home the paycheck, just doing whatever I needed him to do to provide for us, to protect us, to keep watch over us. And and here it was, I honestly thought I love my kids more than he does. And when he said that, when he brought that to my attention, I realized Okay, maybe I'm wrong. 
We don't agree on this. So I'm going to let him make the final say. That's what submission is. So I had to go and say, Lord, you know, I don't think this is what my kids should do right now. But I'm going to submit and I'm going to let him take him to work. And I'm going to trust that you're going to protect my kid and everything's going to be good. And, you know, and I, I just prayed about it and let it go. Well, it was amazing that once my husband made my son start going to work with him and working and getting around all the guys and seeing the way the real life is in in construction world with men and and, and what things really were about and, and what was okay and what was not okay. And they started spending a lot of time together um, that my son really changed and became such a better person for it. And it was amazing what I watched. And then they went on to work together for years and years. I don't know, 15, I don't know how many years they were both in the plumbing field together. And they were a team for many of those years. And and I just watched my son become a man that I am so proud of. But, I mean, just the character and, and his integrity and his um, just everything about it. But he needed his dad to teach him whenever it was past me. You know, um, I know when I know when my daughters are manipulating their dad. Oh, I can see that. I can see that a mile away, and I always call him on it. No, 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 no. Don't you dare talk to your daddy like he's stupid. I'm sitting right here, and I'm watching what you're doing. And, and I could call them, but I, I couldn't ever see the guy's viewpoint. Men and women are completely different people. And so it was important for me to learn how to submit. Again, it was not easy, but it was important. And I want to read this again, too. It says in verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I meet so many men that think, Oh, you got, you're just a woman. Y'all are less than us. You have to submit to us. You have to do this. And I just, I'm just thinking, you are so deceived. And that's probably the reason why your wife cannot submit to you willingly. You may beat her down and abuse her to where she feels like she can't do anything but that because you've created a servant out of her. And that's a bad reflection on you, not her. And, but it's because you're supposed to dress it and keep it. My husband is just so brilliant because he knows his job is to bring out the very best in all of us. So he, he gives us room to grow. He gives us a counsel every once in a while when he thinks maybe it's needed. He prays for us a lot, and God corrects us on his own. He doesn't ever have to say anything when he sees something that's not really going the way he wants it to go. He's very wise. He just shuts his mouth. He doesn't give it life, and he just starts praying and stuff. But when he does need to say something, he, he does it in a way that can be received. And um, I'm so grateful and thankful for him. I, I tell everybody all the time, he's the anchor to my life, man. He keeps me grounded. He keeps me safe. He keeps me protected. And I'm just so thankful that I have a husband, and he is a godly husband, and that's another thing, you know, when we first started out, I was not a godly wife, and he was not a godly husband. 
and and it has taken time. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, I can't submit to him. You know, I understand you can, and that's great because you're married to Pastor Kelly. But look, he wasn't Pastor Kelly back then. He was the biggest dopehead in Pasadena, Texas. You know, when we when we were a young married couple, this was not the same person that I'm married to now. He has grown and become that thing that God wanted him to be. And here's the thing. It's your life. Jesus is telling you right now as a wife to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. If you will do what he's asking you to do, he can deal with your husband. Trust me. He knows exactly what to say and what to do to make your husband honor and respect and love you because you're obeying God and doing what he's asked you to do. If we will do our part and just trust God with everybody else, God will deal with them. But if I'm running around telling my husband how he has to act, then I'm still playing God. I'm still, I'm saying, okay, Jesus, you need to scoot over because I got this one. I'm going to run this and I'm going to show him how to do it and I'm going to fix this house. And that's what contentious women do. And that's why the Bible tells your men three times, just stay away from her. Go get on the roof. Go hang outside. Don't even be around her. That's what the Bible tells your husband. Because you're trying to control and rule him. And that's offensive to him. And he's not, he, he can't do that. He does not know that you have his best interest at heart. He's not going to do it. And you can tell him you love him all day long. He doesn't care. Men don't need love. Three times in the New Testament, it tells you to honor and respect your husband. It never tells you to love him. And men, quit honoring and respecting your wife. I know she can do everything and still keep a full-time job. And she's better at everything than you are. Duh. But she doesn't need your respect or your love. And three times in the New Testament, the Bible tells you, love your wife. So you need to figure out what is her love language? What does she need from you? And that's what you need to do. Quit giving her respect and honor. Of course she can do everything. She's created to do everything. But that's not what she wants. She wants you to love her. And we, we get out here and we get off. And everything's broken. And whoever's listening today, I don't know if you're the man or the woman, whoever you are today, do your part and let God deal with them. Don't preach at them. Don't tell them, well, the Bible says you have to do this. That is never going to work. I don't know if you've tried it. I have. That is never going to work. In order for you to have a successful marriage, you do what the Lord told you to do, and you will have a successful marriage. Now, your spouse, they could still be in the relationship with you, and they could be having a not successful relationship. Because if they refuse to let God be God, and if they refuse to do it His way, and they're going to go about and do their own thing, they're going to be miserable the whole time. But if you will just do what the Lord tells you to do and move forward, then what will happen is God will show them some things and healing will start taking place on both sides. My husband has a whole side to his story, and he can tell you what I was like and how he was praying and what he was trying to do at the same time. 
So I'm not saying I was doing it all right and he was just a failure. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that whoever you are, if you want your marriage fixed, then you need to obey Jesus and do what he told you to do. And you need to trust him to deal with your spouse. Amen. It is the best. I promise you, if you'll do it now, it took me a little season here where I had to keep making them sandwiches before finally God told him, look, what she's done. You make the sandwich. And he did. But after that, our relationship really started to change. And, and that was one of the defining moments when the world was getting on track. And so you're going to have to do it in faith, trusting God, and then he will take care of your harvest, what you have coming back at you. Amen. And I'm not talking about you. If you're living in an abusive situation, if somebody's beating you up, you need to get out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just a marriage that you you're in it, but man, you sure wish it was better. I'm telling you, God's got a way. Amen. Listen, I'm really thankful that you tuned in today, and I hope you join me again next time and share this if you know somebody that this might help, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye.